And now, gentle listeners, <laughs> we are coming on to our third segment of the show, which is the Crack and Crossover Zone. And this week we have a very special guest that we are all extremely excited about, and I think every single one of you will be as well. It is the esteemed author, K.L. Morgan. Author of such well-known fics as My Destruction Within Your Mouth and The White Queen Running. Hello, K.L. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Hi, K.L. How are you? (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here and to be hanging out with you guys. Listeners, we've just spent the last half hour chatting with KL and we had to stop ourselves because we just wanted to hang out and drink beer with her on Skype. On so, Skype, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we realised we needed to keep on schedule. We so. forgot that we weren't recording yeah. for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to crack on with the questions that we've got for you. Nachos, I think you're up first. Yes. Uh-huh. Hi, Kiel. Huge fan. Hi, Nachos. <laughs> I Riley. love your work. <laughs> no, genuinely. Wait, wait, wait. Before we begin, I have to say, I actually should have said this at the beginning. I am so excited to meet you just because I love your stories so much. Yeah. Oh, cute. Mutual fan counting. Hey, guys. Yes. Yeah. Cute, cute. Oh my god, okay, so... <laughs> you want to She's genuinely overwhelmed. She's really is. So emotional right now. <laughs> okay, so my first question is, for my destruction within your mouth, you have like a two-week update schedule, roughly. How on earth do you cope yeah. with that? How? Okay, I have to say it was so like validating and wonderful to get this question. <laughs> <laughs> because I constantly feel like I'm not updating fast enough. So for another author to be like, how the fuck are you pulling this off? I was yeah. like, yes! <laughs> Someone else gets it. I think that it comes down to a couple things. I think that just having the deadline in place really helps. Because I find that when I say to myself, okay, I'm going to do this thing, even if I end up writing like 6,000 words the night before, I actually end up doing it. <laughs> so... Maybe I just have a weird competitive streak with myself, and I'm like, no, I need to get this done. (laughs) It also helps that, I don't know how common this is or how rare this is, but by the time I'm actually posting a fic, I have a really good idea of where the fic is going. And sometimes, like, things will take longer than I thought they would, or they take less time than I thought they would. Or I think, ooh, well, while I'm here, I also want to do this thing before I go on to the next thing. But knowing where I'm going, for the most part, allows me to like sit down and write a thousand words, fifteen hundred words, two thousand words at a clip. And so, do you have? You're saying that you you basically have an outline for your stories, and you you more or less stick to that. I feel like outline is too professional. <laughs> 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 I literally like get an idea for a fic, and then I spend at least the next month or two just thinking about it mm-hmm. fairly obsessively. And just thinking, what would I want to happen? Why would this happen? What could I do to make this happen? Like reverse engineering. Sometimes I'll be like, well, I want this scene to happen. So how the hell do I get them there? Like, (laughs) what do I have to put them through in order to make it believable that they'd end up in this place? I know a lot of people like get an idea and they sit down and write it. And I'm like, I don't. How? (laughs) How do you do that? Because I'm the opposite. So outline is too strong a word because... Every story I end up writing looks completely different than I intended by the time I actually write it. 
what I often do is I end, I have a file. And this happens, I do this for all my stories. And I actually learned to do this because of fanfic. The first fanfic I wrote, I did this. And it worked so well for me. I was like, well, I'm just going to fucking do this. Every time I have to, I have to write a story. Where I just have a notebook or I have a file where I just write stuff that comes to me. Like I write dialogue snippets. I write scene ideas. I write thoughts about what I want to happen or I want these two characters to talk. And so there's literally like a massive file that can be, I think the one for White Queen was like 30 pages long in the end. It's just like miscellaneous stuff. And I have a vague idea of how I want to piece it all together, but being able to go back to that that file and say, okay, this, this, this for this chapter, and then almost like building the chapter around those things. It's like your brain dump. It is a brain dump, yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. I think that sounds like <laughs> a really practical way that to is work. A very practical way. Because, you know, like you're saying, an outline is too strict sometimes for that because you just want to have a place that you can, like, when you little ideas pop into your head and you know that's not going to happen till the very end of the fic, but you want to make sure yeah. that it does happen and you don't forget. So. You must be a really organized person in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? <laughs> Is this no. your personality? No. <laughs> no. This is pretty much the only area of my life which has any kind of semblance of organization, maybe you could say. Right, that's cool. <laughs> I also recommend it because sometimes you'll like get an idea and you'll be excited about that idea in the moment. So you'll you'll be able to sit down and write down that scene or that conversation right then when you're all excited and juiced up and like, oh, it's going to be so good. And then you finish it and you're done. As opposed to saying to yourself, okay, well, I'll write it later. And I still do this when I, I like kick myself for it. But I'll say, oh, I'll write it later. And then you build it up in your mind as having to be so good that by the time you actually get around to writing it, you're like, fuck. You're like, you psyched <laughs> out about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. That's like me with the latest chapter of Don't Want to Be Your Girl. I'm just oh, like, mm. you feel <laughs> the, you put pressure on yourself. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. It works either way. It works either way. I often find that, you know, sometimes, sometimes, it's actually better to put off writing something just because I want to get to it so bad that I'm like, okay, you mean I have to do the fucking like 25,000 words in between? Fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barrel through that, as it were. Yeah. And my second question was, are you going to cave and write Supercorp? <laughs> <laughs> I know you've had quite a few anons about this. Don't do it. I don't want to have to read Supercorp. Because I will if you write I'll read it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I will read it. Definitely read it. Yeah. I had genuinely no idea. If someone asked me a question about this on my journal, and I answered the same way. This is the thing. I have actually been in love with the character of Lena Luthor, like, eons so <laughs> you know it was almost kind of like I, I almost feel baited by the CW being like who yeah. is Lena Luther and I'm like you fuckers it's yeah. not like them to bait is it the CW and not only that <laughs> yeah, not only that but then cast the gayest gay for pay actress oh, ever yeah. <laughs> is she really see, I don't know this I don't know her reputation I was she's, like oh she's, she's cute and then we're like Katie McGrath yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. I, didn't, just, I didn't know either. She just looks like she's eye-fucking everyone <laughs> all the yeah. time. I think it'd be really cool to have a little Tumblr fit going, depending on where I am with my other writing, if I feel like I'm fulfilling those obligations and meeting those deadlines. That would be incredibly fun. I don't see myself getting into Supercore the way I am, like, you know, full Fathom 5 and Eclexa, just all out, yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. How did I end up here, lost in this deep rabbit hole of feelings? 
I didn't ask for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, None of it I don't did. That happening. Yeah. Are there any other pairings that you would be interested in writing for? Well, I think somebody mentioned Rania, didn't they? So there's a possibility of Rania. Oh. <laughs> remember that remember this We're is audio not visual just, just for the listeners at home kl's just made a very like unhappy kind of face a kind of oh, oh, i don't happy. know just kind of like grimace people are looking at the destruction where it is now and they're going like oh maybe ron you could happen in this and i'm like no. no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This this isn't gonna last very long. We're not gonna. This is not the status quo. We're gonna shake it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> the idea of, of Rania happening outside of this situation is like maybe, but don't place any bets. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many in the White Queen running verse? Yeah. How many planned fix have you got at the Ooh, moment yeah. for that? Ooh, That's not on the uh, questions, but I just was wondering that. I'd like to know that. It's three more, and I'm 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 working on the first one. I've I've made ser- fairly serious headway into the first one. Yeah, it's three more. So you have a lot on your plate already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hi, Kyle. Hey. <laughs> Can I have your autograph? <laughs> I'll ship it to you. Awesome. Thank you very much. So being the being the musical person that I am, I wanted to know if you had any sort of music that you like listening to when you write. Because I know that some people either have to have music on, can't have music with lyrics in it, or need no music at all. So I just wanted to know if, you, if there was anything in particular you like listening to, and if you have any kind of quirky little writing rituals that you follow when you sit down to write. I was trying to think of quirky little writing rituals, and I couldn't really come up with any. I mean, it really does. It, it just sort of... No. I think <laughs> okay. Fair enough. No, I think I've gotten to the point where I just like, like, you know, just sit down and write, motherfucker, and I will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For whatever. Sometimes I reward myself by like, oh, you can now get a coffee or you yeah. can now, you yeah. know, it's winter. And the thing is with winter, like I stay indoors, but during the, um, <laughs> you hibernate. I do. I do. It's not a joke. Uh, I do. Yeah. So, <laughs> Don't we all? But you know, when it's nice outside, I love writing outside. I love mm-hmm. taking my laptop. I, I now live right outside a park. So I'm, I imagine that I'll be doing that a lot. Just taking my laptop outside and writing. I like listening to music when I'm writing sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's usually, I know, it's not like, it's not like a respectable kind of music listening. I will literally pull something up and put it on loop for hours so that yeah. I can sort of, yeah. it's almost like a, like a weird sort of poor man's sensory deprivation yeah. type deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. I have noise in my ears, but I don't need to pay attention to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I pay attention to what I'm writing instead. Yeah. Although music, when it comes to when it comes to brainstorming, is a really that's pretty essential. Yes. Like it's always yeah. a big part of how I come up with what I want to do, and where I want to do it, and the feeling that I want to evoke. I was actually remembering. Do you guys listen to Tableau? I know you do. Mm, yes, I know, I know you listen I know to Tableau. Yeah, yeah, I know. Her Queen of the Clouds album is basically the entire tra- soundtrack for the Looking Glass Land, like stories and sequels and all that stuff. Cool. 
Oh, um, nice. Yeah, I can basically point to each track and be like, okay, when I listen to this track, I came up with this story, and when I listen to this track, I came up with this scene, like that That's kind of. That's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if we listen to that album, we're going to be able to like get spoilers and figure out what's going to happen. <laughs> it's kind of like yes. it's in code. Tableau and I have been talking. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the whole. Um, Dark Side of the Moon and the Wizard of Oz theory, right? You know, yeah. you listen to Dark Side of the Moon by Pink, Pink Floyd, Floyd. Mm-hmm. and watch the Wizard of Oz and it all links up. Well, this kind of leads me on to my next question, and that is... Oh, I wasn't done. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, I love it. I think you shouldn't edit that out. <laughs> That in. I love being told off. Brilliant. <laughs> she's just trying to keep keep everything moving forward, thinking mm. she's doing the right thing. I'll just. I'll just I'm trying to with the fact that, like, I mean, saying, yeah. "Oh, you know, I listen to Tableau, and I made up that entire story of Tableau." It made it makes me sound like I have actual musical taste. But <laughs> <laughs> I compare that to like, uh, and I do, just not with like pop music. When it comes to pop music, I often love like the trashiest stuff they've got. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Me the fact that. You know, most of my of destruction is based on like Taylor Swift songs. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, that's funny. I love it. And destruction was my favorite out of the two as well. <laughs> it's not. I will say it's not just Taylor Swift. It's also <laughs> Nick Jonas. Oh Selena my god! Oh, oh, no, no. no. KL, you're rapidly losing fuck. credibility here. Yes, fuck. <laughs> I mean, for the fluffy part, that's for all the fluffiness. So well, fluffy. You, you are the fluffiest author in yes, Fluff Queen. Yes. <laughs> the fluffy tweeniness came in, like listening to Nick Jonas and Selena Gomez right. and Taylor's. <laughs> the Wombats are in there briefly, but they come in like after the break, after things start becoming very heavy and dark. Okay. <laughs> that, is, that is a really interesting insight. And it is very I'm, much so. When I do my reread of like <clears throat> earlier chapters, I'm going to look at it from a whole other angle. Oh, this is angle. totally a Taylor Swift song. <laughs> 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 no one makes better like angsty love pop songs and toes with trashy angsty love I, I maintain especially when you're writing when you're writing about teenagers yeah, yeah it's fair enough, fair true. enough. True story. True. am I allowed to ask my next one now yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ask properly <laughs> thank you miss <laughs> So it does lead me into my next question really well, which is that you love K-pop from what I've seen on your blog. And I want to know, are you solely responsible for the inundation of non-relevant K-pop gifts in Tumblr's gift library? Because what the fuck is that all about? And I know, I know it's you, right? I know it's you. That is me. That is all me. I claim all responsibility. Like Tumblr about whim. And I apologize. That's me. Can you just stop? Yeah, just stop. Stop. No, I refuse to stop. I'm having too much fun. Listeners, she's now dancing to herself as if there's K-pop on in the background. There is K-pop on. She's wearing a headset for fuck's sake. She's listening yep. to K-pop whilst yep. talking to us. I am. I did it just to piss you off. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Do you know like how big K-pop is in the US? Mm, no, I know no. how big it is in Asia, but Oh, it's fucking huge. Is over it really? Here. Wow. Oh, it's huge. There was the wave that started, I think, in maybe 2012, although I might be underestimating when it came over. And 
Sorry, Nacho's stomach just tumbled so loudly. I just heard it. I was like, it was like, undress me. I am talking. Sorry, carry on. Carry on. I'm actually not a big K pop fan. I was. Sure, Jan. When it comes to music, there is no more judgmental person than Graham Jones. Oh, that's unfair. <laughs> it's not. It's not unfair. He is a massive music snob, and you admit that yourself. I am a music snob. You are. Well, it's like the face of like long suffering, like years of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you like what? Yeah. No. <laughs> are you okay to move on to the next? Yeah. <laughs> are we, are we We're just now? like asking. We're just having to ask now. I don't want to get told off. <laughs> I wanted to know how long that you've been writing fanfic for and have there been other fandoms and ships for you in the past? What is your lifelong involvement with all this crazy madness? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I first discovered fanfic when I was 15 and it was one of those deals where I was, <sighs> okay, I was watching Buffy. Yay, Wait, yay. That makes it sound worse. That makes it sound worse because then I don't even have the excuse of being like, I wasn't watching anything better. No, I was watching Buffy, but I was also watching Sailor Moon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was really into it. Oh, okay, Nachos is laughing at me. I would like it to be on the podcast record. I wanted to go into the podcast. Nachos right now is laughing her face off. <laughs> she actually just made a noise like, oh. <laughs> I don't know why though. Like, you encouraged her. She made the noise. You encouraged her. <laughs> it's always the way. It's always the Let way. Let that go on to the record as well. <laughs> uh, that was 1998 because I'm because I was 15. I'm 33 now, and of course, you know, old by Tumblr reasoning. Yeah. yeah. Hey. And my dad, the very first internet hookup we had in our home was my dad bringing home his internet equipped laptop from work. That, you know, all you had to do was, like, dial into the phone line. Oh, I love that. Bing bong, I love bing that bong. dialing. Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. <laughs> and I opened it, and again, there was no Google, so I'm going to Yahoo search. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Nice. Been there. Ask Jeeves. <laughs> and the very first thing I type in is Sailor Moon, because, of course, I'm obsessed. Yep. And the very first website I encounter is, oh, memories from the corner of my mind. <laughs> the very first website I encounter is a personal domain, GeoCities. Oh, yeah. wow, nice. <laughs> I still remember the name of it. Yeah. And she wrote around fan fiction. And she put it right up there, like, read my fan fiction. Yeah. And I had never encountered this concept before in my life. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, what the hell is fan fiction? So I'm 15-year-old I'm me. I'm clicking on it. And I'm reading it. And I'm having the two thoughts that I'm pretty sure every fanfic writer more or less has had when they first encounter this. Yeah. Which is, one, this is legal. Like, you can do this. <laughs> and two, five minutes in, okay, I can write a better story than this one. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how it began. Like, that's, I was literally writing my first fanfic, like, a couple months later. This was 
the dark ages of the internet. Like there were archives hosted online and you would send your stories to each archive individually as a TXT file and they would post your email. I actually got my first email address because I wanted to receive feedback on a thing. <laughs> they would post it and you would receive emailed comments. People actually had to like, you know, pull it up, paste it in, like sit down and write an actual email. Yeah. Completely different. And I got my first um, comment on my first fic. And I was really lucky. It was, it was a really lovely comment. It was like a paragraph long. And I just remember sitting there and, and being like, well, I'm never going back. Yeah. <laughs> I like, like this. Such a, yeah. It was such a, it was such a high. It was such yeah. a, it was such an amazing thing yeah. to write something and put it out there and have a complete stranger take time out of their day yeah. to say, this is good. I really like it. Please do it again. It was a high. And it, it was, it was the first time in my life that my writing had gotten feedback from someone who wasn't a friend, who wasn't family, who didn't know that I was like this spotty faced 15 year old girl. So I'm like, Oh, you you drew really well for a 15 year old. Like that kind of, yeah. yeah. It was just someone being like, this is really good. Yeah. You know, we like it. Can you do some more? And it was just, how can you go back after that? Whenever I fell really deep in a, in a fandom, like too deep to sort of climb out. (laughs) (laughs) Draining. Like, how the fuck do I get out of here? I guess I just have to write my way out. Yeah. Like, just exhaust every single thought and obsession and feeling I've ever had about this particular story. I'm just going to, like, write thousands upon hundreds of thousands of words about it. And maybe at the end, I will have regained some self respect. <laughs> Or question all my life choices. Are you giving yourself Stockholm Syndrome? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. So yeah, I wrote Sailor Moon when I was in high school, and then I wrote Labyrinth Fan Fiction when I was in college. I actually did that for a friend, and again, I just sort of fell into it. And she was like, I'm reading all this fan fiction. By the way, I bet you could do a much better job. And here I am being like, yeah, I know I could do a much better job. And she was having a rough time in college, and she asked me to write her a story, so I did. And then I got into it for its own sake, because I love everything, almost everything Henson has ever touched. Mm-hmm. I can't say everything, because Muppets take Manhattan, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like, I've heard rumors of it, but, yeah. you know, it, it failed. Like, the only copies of it were burned. Yeah. Yeah, so it was one of those things where I would go for long periods of just being a fan, and just reading, or just perusing, or just hanging out in fandom spaces but not actually participating. And then Klexa, like, I didn't just fall into the Klexa pit. I swear to God, Klexa clawed itself up out of the pit, grabbed my, grab my ankle, like that bitch from the ring. The ring, <laughs> yeah, I was going to yeah. say. <laughs> You're mine now. Exactly. I still am not sure how this happened yeah. because I was saying to myself, don't do this to yourself. <laughs> like, we know how this ends. Uh-huh. And this ends with 100,000 gay fanfic. <laughs> that people still know 10 years later, not just it's going to be you. I know you were like, oh, no, this stuff doesn't know. It sticks. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I wrote that fanfic fan in college, and people are still emailing me about it, which wow. is fantastic. Yeah. But it's never going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Receipts are there. The receipts are yeah. forever. The records. So, I, I mean, that was first, I was like, don't do this to yourself. And also because I read some fix in Clocks of Fandom, and I was like, this is fantastic. They have fantastic fanfiction. I am not needed here. <laughs> I, mean. I read Night Shifted's fix. Oh, God. And I walked away being like, Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. You were done. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
I can read other stuff for fun and everything, but Night Shifted has done her two canon fix. As far as I'm concerned, canon is fixed. <laughs> we got that. And then I ended up doing it anyway, and I'm still not sure how or why. <laughs> but I'm so glad that you did. Yes. Well, well, actually, that kind of leads in, and you can keep talking about the last question, because it leads yeah. into the next question, which was, what brought you to Klexa? Why did you start watching the awful show that they feature in? <laughs> did you start watching it from the beginning, or did you come to it because you saw sexy gift sets like we all did, or whatever? Yeah, and then just want to elaborate on that. So I got into the show because of Tumblr. I actually saw a shit post, I guess is what they're called. Mm. Old. Um, <laughs> is when someone had like a chat and the dialogue is my uterus starts bleeding or, you know, menstruation begins or something like that. <laughs> and it goes me, colon, in parentheses, a lesbian who doesn't want kids, in yeah. parentheses. And then they have the gif of Lexa being like, you bleed for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I've, I've seen that. that. I've, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Uh, <laughs> and I saw that. And I and immediately I was looking at this gif and I was like, okay, who is that? Yeah. What is this? Yeah. yeah. The look was so arresting. Yeah, definitely. And it was so cool. And it was like, I want to know where this is from. Totally. And then I started searching the tags to see where it was from. And of course, a bunch of the tags were Lexa, my beautiful lesbian. And I was like, <laughs> oh. oh, hello. Oh. What? And then I finally found out where it was from. I was confused at first. People keep tagging it the 100. And I was like, the 100 what? (laughs) (laughs) I looked up the show. I saw, and this was in, I can actually tell you exactly when it was. It was in December of 2015. Because I immediately went and set my DVR to record it because I realized it was currently airing the second season. Yeah. And then it was on um, Netflix. And I was like, I'm sorry, it's a sci-fi show with a female lead. I was like, of course I'm into this. Why have I not heard about it before? Yeah, yeah. That should have been a little <laughs> warning. Off. God, I will never learn. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I sent my DVR to record, but I really wanted to watch from the beginning. And then progressed like a really difficult sort of nine months <laughs> where, <laughs> where I tried to make my way through the first season yeah. of The 100. Oh, um, and I rage quit when they killed Wells. And then someone was like, but did you see Anya? And I was like, no, who the fuck is Anya? <laughs> and like, you have to go back and at least watch for Anya. Yeah. I was like, okay. So I went back and I watched for Anya, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm back on this yeah, train exactly. again. <laughs> she, makes it, she makes it worth it. She makes definitely. it bearable. Yeah. She makes it bearable. Yeah. And then they killed Anya. And I reached quit again. I was yeah. like, fuck this show. <laughs> Why do they keep killing off my favorite characters? Yeah. Again. <laughs> Should have seen that little instinct. Yeah. Anyway. So I rage quit again, but I had these two episodes on my DVR, and I'd heard again through, through Tumblr sort of femslash fandom that there was an actual canon femslash fic in this show. And I was like, well, I'm not going back to this show because, you know, they've killed off everyone I loved. <laughs> but I suppose I should at least watch the show or one girl kisses another girl to, like, you know, be supportive or just know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, when will this happen? This is a big deal. I get yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm not going to watch this show, but I'm going to watch what's recorded on my DVR, which was Blood Must Have Blood, part one and two. Yeah. That was me literally meeting Lexa, was Mm -hmm. Blood Must Have Blood, one and two. And they did the previous leads, and I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, I missed the actual kiss. Oh, well, I'll just skim through this and watch the the scenes where they're together, out of basic curiosity. And even as I'm watching, I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be 
cute and handholdy or whatever. Like it's always a lot of femme slash chips become very what's the word I'm looking for? Twee. Like gal pants. Yeah, twee. Braiding hair. Boring. Yeah. Man. Precious. Yeah. yeah. No, like, sex appeal, essentially. Yeah. No, no sex appeal, no actual meaty conflicts, no interesting stuff. On American TV, I feel yeah. like I should add. Especially the CW, which is a teen network. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, this is not going to be interesting. And then the betrayal happened. Mm. And I was like, permission to board ship. Yeah. <laughs> I am all in. I fuck they went there like this is the coolest thing i've ever seen yeah which can i just say right now puts me at odds with a lot of the klexa fandom straight off i know that a lot of people don't like the whole betrayal situation yeah and i get that i think that's it's valid and I've, I've heard some arguments for why they believe it happened and i'm like yeah i mean it's possible that they were setting us up to hate this character but i don't give a shit the author is dead as far as i'm concerned and i was so amazed by how cool that made their story, it made Lex's story. I thought it made them really complex and interesting and amazing. I immediately was like, okay, well, how does the fandom fix this shit? So I immediately went and looked for a pick. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the beginning of the end. The slippery slope to devastation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you're right, yeah. though, about and the that- the betrayal made Lexum way more of a three-dimensional yeah, yeah, character. Yeah. And it was a big shock. It yeah, wasn't It massively. wasn't predictable at all. No. That's what makes a story interesting. Then we got the Clark hating her. Yeah. And mm. that it is was complex. Del- delicious angst, yeah. which you're a, yeah. a big fan of, Kale. Yeah, <laughs> yeah huge fan, of um, course. But was- I also felt that as much as it was a shock, I felt like it was it was in character. I mean, the character comes on saying, listen, the most important thing to me more important than myself, more important than the people I love, is protecting the people that I am in charge of, that I govern, that I am responsible for. So even as much as it was a shock because they developed that relationship piece by piece, the character's premise, literally her introduction is, this is the most important thing to me. And they stayed true to that. It's a level of writing that you go from, did they do this shit by accident? And then, or did they just forget later on? Like, you don't know how it went from that to season three, but unfortunately it did. We've talked about the effect that Lex's death had on us personally, so I think (laughs) we'd be quite interested to hear how you felt after the events of 307, if you don't mind sharing with us. Did you watch that live? I did. Yeah. I was watching all of season three live. Yeah. I I wasn't very vocal in fandom, because I was just beginning my fic writing, but I was around and I was listening. And so, of course, I was present for a lot of the fuckery that the (laughs) production team and the writing team pulled on the fandom, like this Uh section of the fandom, in terms of deliberate misdirection. I didn't trust in it the way that a lot of, I think, younger fans did, because I have been watching American television since for a long, long time. I watched Tara die live. That was another episode I was watching live. And... The only reason I was probably watching the show was that someone said, well, they've already seen the kickback from killing Wells and killing Anya. Certainly, how could they be stupid enough to make that mistake three times? Mm -hmm. And I thought, yeah, I mean, baseline expectation of not incredible skull-fucking stupidity. Okay, I can (laughs) get on board with that. But you know what? As soon as... And it's something I can watch with a lot more sanguinity now. I can be more sanguine about it. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they fell into bed together, 
in 307, I knew Lexa was dead. Yeah. I doomed. just knew. Doomed. Doomed, yeah. I was like, okay, Lexa's dead. Well, I was just sitting there going, okay. And then when the next scene happened, it was like, yep, this is the CW. This is what you do. American television. This is the network that I have known for a long time. This is the approach to storytelling that I've seen in American television for a long time. This is just what happens. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that it was so unsurprising was what I later, when I sort of recovered from that initial, the initial shock of it, was so devastating. Yeah. I was so angry yeah. for the next couple of days. <laughs> I was just saying I was really fucking angry yeah. as well. And like, it was, that oh, was I was so well. angry. Really I was good. so angry I had trouble sleeping for the next three nights. Yeah. I would wake up in the middle of the night. And here's the thing that took me a while to get over. I was angry at myself. I was actually angry at myself for believing or even half believing believe or even wanting to believe uh-huh. that things could be different. Yeah. That network executives and the people in power would actually cut us a fucking break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not a show like Once Upon a Time or even Supernatural. This is a small show that has a very loud social media presence. Mm-hmm. So this is not a situation where there wasn't a conversation with the fandom. They knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah. They knew exactly who they were affecting and how they were affecting these people. And I'm not just saying that hypothetically. I mean that, you know, for a while, Rothenberg actually had a piece of art up on his Twitter account of people yelling at him, don't kill Lexa. Mm-hmm. He knew. Yeah. They all knew. They yeah. all fucking knew. Yeah. Yeah. They went into that wide-eyed... And they did it anyway. Mm-hmm. What helped partially in the aftermath of that was the backlash. Because you know, we all know, they did this thinking they would get away with it. Yeah. They did this thinking this appeals to a minority audience. And who's going to give a shit if they're upset? Yeah, you're so right. They had not a fucking clue that this was coming <laughs> yeah. their way. And I think they were... A giant death wave, and, some might yeah, say. Yeah, a death wave of <laughs> anger. Uh-huh. A much faster-moving yeah. one, though. Um, and, you know, yeah. the biggest indicator of that, I think, is the fact that Jason Rothenberg has not tweeted <laughs> since then. Since yeah. then you know, at his, like, he, he, I mean, he went from constantly, yeah. like you say, the social media presence, huge, and just drumming up, yeah. drumming up all this interest and hype yeah and all of that and then just radio silence because they were they fucked it and they knew they fucked it it. and they knew that basically they were like okay well we now just can't say anything because we've no choice and but then it was almost like your silence speaks volumes you know because made themselves look worse because they weren't responding the only person that did themselves any favors was Javi I mean you know Rothenberg likes to defend himself with well I'm just telling the story that I want to tell which actually is perfectly valid. You guys can back me up. I'm sure Nachos will back me up. You have to tell the story that you want to tell because literally that can be the only story you have inside of you. Yeah, of course. I think for some writers, for some creators, his mistake was misleading his audience yeah. about what that story was. Yeah. And he genuinely seemed to think that he could mislead the audience and then to draw in a certain section of that audience and that he would then be able to convince that audience or convince a more general audience that the real story you want to tell 
was that much more worthwhile. Yeah. And he fucked himself because yeah. he was wrong. Yeah. And he yeah. was so wrong that I know a lot of people are still angry and I know a lot of people still have a lot of emotion about it. And I'm like, you know, you do whatever healing process you want to. Mm-hmm. Good for you. I am 96% satisfied because the show is now synonymous with this trope yeah. and the failure to execute the storyline Rothenberg thought was negligible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I sleep much better at night knowing that. Exactly. It's like a beautiful bit of karma there. I've said this as well. I don't know if it's getting off topic. I didn't stop watching because of Lex's death. I probably never would have watched season four because of Lex's death, but I was determined to see the season through. I was determined to be like, I I care about these characters. I care what's happening to them. I really want to see. By the end of the season, I really didn't care very much about any characters. (laughs) The writing was so atrocious. Once once she was killed, it was so, it just was so bad. There was so many boring ass episodes and nothing was happening in. It was just so dull. The heart of the show is literally dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Once Lexa was killed and once Lincoln was dead, it gutted the entire show with like an ice cream scoop. Like they literally took out the interesting conflict and the attempted reconciliation between archers and grounders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is because story, you remove those two characters. Yeah. Which is the story that everyone was is interested, interested in. in. Yeah. And more than enough of a story to have made yeah. that show fascinating. I believe anyway that when you start out with a basic premise, the end game has to be in sight from the beginning. Like it can be a, a very general or abstract end game, but it has to be there. So you know why you're watching. You sit down and you go, okay, I'm watching this show because I want to see these people thrive and survive. And the AI chip and Allie was introduced in a way that didn't mesh with any of that. You saw the pieces where it sort of could have been tied in, but it wasn't. Like you said, I mean, the heart of the show was this cultural clash and these two people coming together and the archers and the delinquents and the grounders all having different perspectives on what happiness or a good life on the ground would look like and then trying to put them all together one of the reasons Lexa worked so much even though she was an original character even though she was introduced like halfway through the second season was because she was a mirror of all the issues that had come before Mm -hmm. where you have this tyrannical situation on the arc where you know children are sentenced to death or at least kept in a prison until they can be legally executed at 18 They have a second chance, and of course in that second chance, part of it is, well, let's, you know, revolutionize this fundamentally broken society we come from. And then, of course, Lincoln was another sort of representation. That's why he, you know, was immediately sort of drawn into their group. He felt like part of that group. He meshed with Octavia, even with the whole capturing and slash (laughs) Under under age. Season one. Season one. (laughs) Um, And then Lexa came along, and she was the same type. Here was a character who wanted more from her larger society. Yeah. And that's why she immediately just slipped into place and she felt like she was part of the larger story. She didn't feel like an add-on. She didn't feel like fan service. She didn't feel like where the hell is this coming from? She was a part of that larger story. She was an essential part of that larger story. That's the thing with it. It's overall, it's not a quality <clears throat> show, but there's some fantastic characters and concepts. But they are so like standalone. Mm. It, it doesn't mm. make for like this overall amazing 
it has Show like all. flashes of brilliance. Uh -huh. Yeah, and I think yeah, the definitely. grounder of storyline is what brought the critical acclaim as well. Yeah. yeah, and so to disregard that is just like, what were they thinking? The thing that brought them acclaim as well was how revolutionary that relationship was yes. between a bisexual lead female character yes. and yes. a lesbian warrior uh, a leader, and, and that was. <laughs> The holy grail for the LGBT community, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And then they fucked it. They yeah. fucking destroyed it. Stupidest thing to do ever. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I mean, that's the show's legacy. Yeah. yeah. So we received an annoying question, which we thought was really good, very meaty. And that was, I'd love to hear some meta commentary on fan fiction. Example, what you think is the role or place of fic in the world and in your lives with regards to traditional literature and maybe specifically with regards to women loving women culture? Questions of morality with regards to fic being transformative work, the central role of smut in fandom and the taboo <laughs> of relating smut fic too closely to pornography. Your thoughts as authors with regards to writing, sharing, consuming smut fic? We'd love to hear some of your insights. <laughs> Thank it's God. a great question, but it is we could probably talk yeah. for like it's a behemoth five hours about yeah. it. Where to begin? <laughs> the role of smut in fandom. Well, it's sort of filling in the gaps, isn't it? Quite I'm... literally. <laughs> <laughs> you walked into that, one, into that one. You really did oh walk into that one. Oh Sorry. God. Well, I mean, a lot of the depictions of, of women loving women that you see in fanfic are from teen shows or I uh -huh. guess major network shows mm. that just will fade to black or you get the sort of you don't get the morning scenes. after scene yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Don't get you, the, don't, you don't get like the full whammy, the full whammy. <laughs> or even a half whammy a yeah half whammy, exactly yeah. so it is a case of selling in the blanks and i guess just sort of entertainment as well giving people something to flick the bean to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> double clicking that mouse <laughs> like I think as a reader, though, as a reader, <laughs> as a reader, as a reader. <laughs> not a flicker, as a reader, <laughs> I don't know if this is really bad on my part as a long-term gay woman, but I have barely ever investigated lesbian fiction, as in books, actual oh, yeah. real life, right? yeah. as in published works. Yeah. I and. I think it's because when I was like a lot younger, I probably did investigate a little bit and it was it all just seemed so bad. Yeah. And I think that is definitely the amazing role that fanfic plays to get, like quench those desires, you know, because you don't, <laughs> get it, you don't get it anywhere else. You were saying you don't get it on TV because they cut fade to black. Mm. I don't really know of that much fiction that's out there that you can read it in so it's been for me like starting to read stuff when I was 15 16 it was fucking brilliant because you know you're like discovering yourself and all the rest of it and you've got access to all these like really hot steamy stories where you can like learn stuff you know as a young person or maybe, <laughs> maybe learn some maybe not learn well, 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 you yeah, shouldn't learn maybe, so, uh -huh. maybe yeah don't take everything literally. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. until you start figuring it out on your own like, don't try yeah. and figure out what position someone's in because it will just yeah, be yeah. Really yeah. Cool. exactly yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, mine's supervised yeah <laughs> get a spotter don't try this at home but yeah, definitely it fills that hole <laughs> pun intended. Oh, um, oh, a big gap. She went there. A big gap. A big gap. A big gap. <laughs> Just a oh, huge gap. 
gaping chasm. <laughs> it does though. It does. It does. And also really in a very honest way, just when you want to like get a little bit turned on and read like sexy shit, it's great because where else can you get it? Yeah. Your what? wife? <laughs> no, but not reading. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Sorry, Sorry get babe. A, get a complex, you know. <laughs> she was ready with that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because actually I haven't taken quite that particular journey. I think that I was much more familiar with and sort of tuned into published works of femme slash professional, original, published works that depicted lesbian, bisexual, and queer women for a lot of my life. And then femme slash and fanfic came later, Yeah, which is not quite true. I'm thinking about it, because when I was reading Sailor Moon, that was my introduction. I know you laugh at me, whatever. <laughs> that was my introduction to femme slash, because I discovered a writer who was really into shipping the main character, Sailor Moon, with one of her friends, Sailor Mars. And that was sort of like a big sort of sort of moment, like yeah. you can ship characters yeah, that aren't yeah, actually together in the yeah. story. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, you know, it was like, again, I was 15. I feel really lucky because, and you guys can, you guys should, laugh at me for the whole Sailor Moon thing. I don't yeah. think it's well, yeah. funny. Yeah. I'm laughing yeah. with you, not well, at you. I don't really know much about <laughs> yeah, it yeah. other than... I get Tony's waypoint at me. I'm just... I've got, I, I've, just got a smiley, I've got a smiley face. What can I say? All I know about <laughs> it is that Eliza Taylor likes to cosplay it and it's her favourite thing. So oh, I don't like, like, It must be yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There are no pictures. Yeah, no. I'm she. Sure are there pictures? Yeah, there are. There are. She goes on about... So why is my dad bikini pictures when they could be showing Sailor Moon? I just want to see how good her cosplay is. I was really exposed to a lot of Japanese shows, Japanese anime, with canon FF couples. Sailor Moon is one of them. There is a canon FF couple, and they are together. They are confirmed together by the creator. They flirt constantly. They have this long, drawn-out, dramatic backstory. They have this really long, dramatic, romantic story in the show. I used to watch all these different animes. And again, some of them were dated, so they didn't necessarily would be considered, like, I'm doing air quotes, good representation yeah. nowadays. But this was the mid-90s. Just having them at all was like, holy crap. Yeah. So I didn't feel actually, I didn't feel like I need fanfic for that when I was younger, when I was baby little me, kind of figuring it out. For me, femme slash fiction, like you said, there is this sort of propensity to, to make girl-girl couples very twee in both media and sometimes also in fan fiction. Like, I I don't want to knock it if people like it, but I still see the prevalence of, like, headcanoning slumber parties and clothes sharing (laughs) and, you know, her hand was so soft when I picked up her hand. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, if that is your thing and that's the kind of story you want to read, I'm so happy for you. That's so wonderful. But in terms of reflecting my experience, it does not no. relatable. Yeah, yeah. It's not that at all, and it's it's a fantasy. And I'm, you know, if I'm looking for myself in these stories, I'm just not going to find myself. Yeah. This is the first time I've actually sat down, written a story, finished the story because I've tried to write stories before, and then posted the story with a girl-girl couple, and it was really a revelation in terms of, you know, you look at the published market you know like you said published works that are available and you see such a dearth 
of this thing that you like, and because there there isn't enough of it, you think to yourself, well, people are interested in it. So you sort of, I did, subconsciously censored myself and was like, well, maybe I shouldn't write too many stories like that. Maybe I should write this story like that, but keep my expectations low, think maybe it won't really matter to anyone. And then when you finally like discover the community of people who, who want those stories, yeah, it felt really kind of amazing to me and that's surprising in a strange way. And I look back and I'm like, why were you surprised? But I was. Yeah. The thing about the sort of morality of, of transformative work nowadays, I don't think it's an issue. I don't think no. anyone thinks anything bad of it. I mean, I, I think in the past you used to have the studios would clamp down really hard, especially with the Star Trek fan fiction they would send out cease and desist orders. Oh, really? And, yeah. 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 and Anne Rice. Anne Rice, Anne Rice like, personally yes. find yeah. the address of people writing fan fiction yeah. and be like, I'm going to come to your house. Yeah, yeah. She, just, she did not want to share her world. And that is why we had that whole world of the old school disclaimers at the oh, yeah. top of the oh, yeah. fanfic. Yes. 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 And some yes. of those would go these on for some, some, some of some of these some of these disclaimers would go on for like three hundred words. Some of these would be epic. epic yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. They're not my characters, I'm not making any money off of them. Yeah. And now people have Patreon pages and I'm like, where yeah. am I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a different world. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. There's such a proliferation of fanfic now that it would be impossible yeah. to be sending out cease and desist Yes, yeah, saturated. They'd be spending their whole time just doing that. I also think that. the attitude from, certainly from TV shows, changed completely towards fanfic because they quickly tuned into the fact that all it did was boost interest in their show. They want yeah. the fandom. They want the people to be obsessing over it so much that they are writing and reading stories about these characters because what does that do? Yeah. It makes people want to invest in your show. The fan fiction I read now is what I wanted canon to be. That's why it's so important, because you get way more out of the fan fiction than you ever will or ever could have done out of that show. Even if Lexa was still alive and still in it, the things that people sure, yeah. are writing about would never have happened yeah. on the show. And it's limitless. I went looking for this quote when you guys told me that we would have this question, and it's by uh, Henry Jenkins, who either is or was the director of media studies at MIT. Apparently, this is a quote from a New York Times piece in 1997, so quite a while ago. But he said, fan fiction is a way of the culture repairing the damage done in a system where contemporary myths are owned by corporations instead of by the folk. Now like that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool. bang on the money, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's another thing. I mean, we were talking about accountability and was it moral obligation or morality. morality yeah. Yeah. This is something, and maybe you guys can give me feedback about this, because, again, this is sort of the first FF fandom I've existed in with any kind of presence, although I've been a lurker quite a while. <laughs> but I've, I'm really surprised at the onus of responsible storytelling that's placed on fan writers mm-hmm. in, in this particular kind of fandom, because you do not see that in het fandoms. No. You do not see that in male slash fandoms. I mean, you see maybe a little bit of it in the Tumblr culture, but for the most part, there is sort of this idea of if you want to go bang out yeah. and write whatever you want to write, as long as it's warned properly, as long as it's put in a proper place where people can't just stumble across by accident, you yeah, can, you know, go crazy. I'm really surprised at the attitude in femslash fandoms that we as, as amateur writers have to 
give good representation. Yeah. Can I rant just for a second on that? I promise I'll try and... Go for it. Of course. It's really frustrating for me. Because this is the part where I come out as, like, you know, a dirty commie. But... (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, we're British. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We're Scottish. Uh, Scottish. Scottish. It's so different. I've even seen it. I've even seen people in the comments of Fix commenting on something they didn't like. Saying to the Fix writer, you're just as bad as Rothenberg. And I'm like, no, they're not. They literally cannot be. Even if they wrote a really shitty Fix or made really shitty decisions, they literally cannot be as bad as the man who was given hundreds, possibly, you know, definitely thousands, maybe millions of dollars to write this story, Uh this story which was then used, which was then projected into homes and then used to sell products. And it's because of this capitalist culture surrounding how we, you know, choose which stories are quote unquote worthy of being told. It's because of that culture that he was then allowed to kill Lexa Uh because it's assumed that a minority audience is the only one interested in that relationship. And that the general audience won't care. I mean, literally, any other situation, Pete, someone would have stepped in and said to him, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. But because it's based on the money he's making and the money he's bringing in, they were like, yeah, go ahead. Go for yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, you want to kill off the lesbian? Fine. So you cannot compare that no. to an amateur writer who is just making up a story because they want to tell a story. There's nothing that annoys me more than when I see a negative comment on a fic and I don't mean that if it's a constructive <clears throat> criticism, of course, that's, yeah. you know, that is okay, that is fine, if it genuinely is constructive, but I frequently see the odd one, and usually it's like an anonymous person, of <laughs> course, um, mm. and, you know, they're they're saying, oh, I didn't, I didn't like this thing that you did, and being quite angry about a choice, or just, or something like very innocuous, or whatever, and you're like, who the fuck are you yeah. to say? Like, <laughs> they're, they're not being paid. It's They can do whatever the fuck they want. It's their story. You don't have to read mm. it, etc., etc., etc. And if you cool. don't like something about a story, you don't tell that author because this could be somebody's whole world comes crashing down yeah. because of this one negative yeah. comment and so right. that's a bizarre thing but then I suppose that's what you open yourself up for when you so put your you stuff out there. Someone having a go at nachos the other day for doing that priest, <laughs> no, the, priest Lexa. the priest Lexa yeah. Oh, the priest Lexa yeah, the, yeah. and, and yeah. somebody basically said you're crossing a line you're can't go after her like that we're going to hunt you down exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like natural crew she's a Swedish person oh, yeah. I remember Nat- Natural's you telling me about on oh, Don't Want to Be Your Girl you had somebody giving a hard time about what was it about Clark driving a muscle car that oh, they, yeah. took, they took offense yeah. to? And it's such a weird thing. Why would you yeah, do that? It's the hardest thing ever. You know, what was it? Was <laughs> I it know! Like, exactly! They took offense to Clark driving a muscle car mm-hmm. and also Lincoln stepping in when, when there was the sort of conflict at the bar. Yeah, yeah and it's just like. Well, because it was really? a guy, like. Yeah, basically. They're like, <laughs> that's out of order, that's extreme. But I definitely think it does come from the idea of. We have nowhere else to get these stories that show ourselves. There's no other, no other outlet. So people get very, they get disproportionately upset, and I understand it. Yeah. But it's like it's not our fault, actually. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like we are not the billion-dollar corporations or the network producers yeah. killing off your face. Uh-huh. You're, yeah, do, you're doing sure. something in your free time, and if you don't like it. Fuck off, hit unsubscribe. (laughs) I do think there is an element of people in this fandom and you're such a fan of Klexa and you've obsessed over them and love them that 
people do feel a sense of ownership over them like on your page Nat shows you've written these stories but you've invited people to do their own head cannons <laughs> and go on yeah. these crazy tangents wild. but you know some people might then feel like oh I'm part of this and I'm yeah. part of this story so then I don't like it when you go Going off awfulness. on a way yeah, yeah. that I wasn't expecting or that I didn't like and that's fair enough I do understand that but I think that people also have to understand that nobody owns them no, like yeah. nobody does own them they're there for everyone to enjoy in whatever way that they want and if you don't like that story just don't read it yeah it's like with the model au somebody went off because they didn't like the fact that that lexa seemed quite douchey and it's like the story isn't even written yet (laughs) 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 to be honest i'm a little bit disappointed that she's gone Minnesota, <laughs> Minnesota. Yeah. I feel like yeah. Glaswegian twin Lexa slipping to my fingers that's hard I know no, totally. no. <laughs> secret Minnesotian that she's yeah. got her yeah. underneath it all it comes out in moments of passion so funny I think they're all all yeah. the head cannons are good yeah. and, you that's know. the thing yeah. with a creative hub though that's what you have to learn when you're doing something creative when you put an idea out there it's like a meme, isn't it? It, yeah. it, it becomes you have other to people's it property and yeah. you can't be precious over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A prime yeah. example of that is that Nachos allowed or gave the green light to <laughs> another one of the natural crew to write a fisting yeah, yeah. one shot with your yeah. your characters yeah. you know and a lot of people would be like eh, no, I'd rather not- you didn't or I'd rather that you didn't say that it was from my story or my world and you were just like fine it. it's, no. you know you're like as we learned last week you were a giver <laughs> <laughs> when it was again <laughs> much nicer than the rest of us so don't go after her <laughs> the thing is that it was Initially, it was just a joke suggestion, and yeah. I was like, "Go for it!" Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm not going to write it. She looks so, so delighted at the idea. She's like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> I don't understand the urge to tell the actors. Like, I don't get that. No, no. like, don't no. tell them. Like, oh, Leave them out of it. Please tweet my thing. Yeah, and you're like, no. It's like you know, know, Alicia at the Copenhagen Comic Con last year. You know, somebody said, have you read any of the fan fiction? And she was great about it. She just laughed. She said, I've seen many illustrations, but I've never read a fanfic. And it's like, no wonder, because you know, she's <laughs> clearly like, she's very uncomfortable with the attention and yeah. the social media presence. That's not her natural fit. Whereas Eliza, would, yeah. I think, would be probably a little bit more into it. Eliza's like, I've read it. And it's like, to be uncomfortable with it because just because they're they're cool people and they're nice people does not make them fanish people no. especially yeah. about their own work uh-huh. and it's, so and I it's can them. definitely see how they would be uncomfortable with it and maybe not know how to approach it yeah. Yeah. but again that's not any kind of moral judgment on the people who do do it it's no. just it's completely different relationships yes. to the material absolutely would you want ADC or Eliza to see your fit? Oh, fuck no. no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'd die. I would die. Neither would I. I like, you know, there's no, so far, there's no smut in any of them, but I wouldn't want them reading my fic either, honestly. It's a strange, Leave them out of it. Yeah. It's a strange thing that they will have to accept that you're not just an actress uh, putting yourself out there, but you are part of like a really hardcore fandom and that... People have got their massive tapestries of your face on their living room wall, which is what we've got right now. Oh, we looking at that. Um, and, you know, <laughs> that there's 
umpteen millions of words out there of like hardcore steamy sex scenes and all yeah. that and it's a weird thought like it's a fun yeah no I feel like social media really broke down that fourth wall and we were talking about the acceptance and the general awareness of fanfic I feel like social media is, is played a really big part in that because of course all these actors got to talk one-on-one with their fan base and of course, eventually, someone's going to be like, did you guys know there's a story or there's a piece of art? You know, that yeah. kind of thing. Then I think of the flip side, which is what if this had been 10 years, 15 years ago? What if these actors had not known the impact that their roles and the relationships that the people were seeing on the show were having such a positive response? Yeah. For me, as like... Uh extreme Buffy fan and Buffy shipper right from the start. Two things happened that just literally made my Buffy heart explode <laughs> and my other parts as well. <laughs> years and years ago, like after Buffy had finished filming, the Buffy cast got together for a Paley Fest. It was really exciting because it was kind of a reunion with lots of the actors. The journalist there asked Sarah Michelle Gellar what she thought about the comics because the comics had come out and in the comics, Buffy has sex with a woman. Mm-hmm. Who is it? Is it? I want to um, say Satsu. Is it Satsu? Yeah, it is yeah, Satsu, Satsu, right? The Japanese slayer. What was the advice? Uh, right, but, <laughs> so, right, we'll get to that. Right, so they, she's she's there and they ask her this and her response is, she's so excited. She's like, oh my God, that's like so fucking cool. Like, go Buffy. You know, like, I'm so glad that she's like had that experience. So that for me to see that was really, really cool. And then, Many years later, again, Eliza Dushku was at a con and a fan brought up with her the the fuffy ship, the subtext and everything. And she was just like, dude, come on. Why did they not get it on? Come on. We were like, and she kind of elaborated on this. And the dream kind of scenario, because you just are so desperate to hear these actors like discuss this stuff that you have obsessed yeah, over yeah. for all these years. And just these two things for me, like, were just so satisfying and amazing, you know, because this was, Buffy was obviously (laughs) on when there was no social media and, you know, there was was barely the beginnings of the internet, really, when Buffy was on. And so, yeah, that was, for me, like, big fandom moment, like, big fangirl moment, those those kind of things, so... It's kind of nice to be validated in that way by the actors to acknowledge that, yeah, they saw it too. Yeah. That you weren't imagining it. Yeah. It was, it should have happened and it didn't happen. And, yeah. yeah. We've seen that you've been nominated for three categories in the upcoming Klexa Fanfic Awards. And I cast one vote and one vote only, and that was for you to win Best Fluff author. Because you're so fluffy. Because you are so fluffy. You're like a fluffy. Are you, are you shitting me? You're a, you're, a, you're, a, you're a fluffy bunny. You're like a marshmallow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, just a, yeah, ultimate sure. fluff. <laughs> How do you feel about that? I feel incredibly, I I know this is cheesy as fuck, but that's me. I feel incredibly touched that I was nominated. I'm so scared that people are actually going to think it's a fluff fix who have never encountered it before and start reading and then hit the next couple of chapters and burn down my house. (laughs) Hate mail incoming. It's a genuine fear. You actually made Weasel anxious before bedtime. I yep. know. The other night, yeah. she read the. I was so happy. She read the latest chapter, and, and she was not me. She I, was anxious. I genuinely like turned to Graham Jams, and I was like, 
oh, I just don't like what's happening right now. <laughs> I really do. I was like, I'm really, really excited. What's going to happen? She's and, evil. Know, like, <laughs> I'm evil, evil I person. I really but... wanted to go all out with this fic and just create the kind of like huge, swooping, nail-biting narrative that I'm not going to be bitter, but, you know, the heterosexual couples get all the time. Yeah. And, you know, I read romance novels and shit like that and I'm like I want to do something like that something really extreme and crazy and it goes from one end of the spectrum all the way to the other and then it ends happily but you go through all this stuff yeah well you're definitely you're covering all of that so far for sure so good so good I'm having fun like again I'm pretty sure that I'm gonna lose people at certain points but uh, that is what it is and You've got to write I'm what you want really... to write, though, at the end of the day, don't you? You're doing it for yourself. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. I don't, the, I, I, I don't think you'll lose people. I, I think, think that so. it's just going to gain more and more momentum. If you lose anybody, then they weren't meant to be there in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry. Yeah. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve the greatness. I almost feel like it's karma, this whole Flaff nomination, because I really did dial it up in the beginning. Like, at first, this part of the story is just going to last a little while longer, and yeah. then we're going to end, like, the dramatic media stuff. And then I was there, and I was like, no, while I am here, I am just going to take it to 11. I'm just going to make everything so cute. And so and it really touchy, was. Andy yeah. holy, huggy. Oh yeah. my Doing their makeup. And yeah. yeah. I think I saw one of your, I think it was maybe you answering an ask. It really hit the nail on the head for what I had thought about Lexa. You said something like, I kind of view this Lexa as having like the emotional maturity of a toddler or something like that. Well, she hasn't gone through all the stuff that, and again, I, I think I mentioned that the same ask. It, the writing was not explicitly there, but I think ADC and Eliza Taylor, and they all made this kind of apparent, they made it work. Lexa really does go through quite a few sort of emotional growth spurts in the show because first she has this little cutie blonde like mouthing off at her and she doesn't kill her on the spot for being insolent. <laughs> <laughs> and then she, you know, she uses Costia's death to connect with her and then she actually has that thrown back in her face and she needs to sort of get over it and then she actually makes a decision to pursue something with Clark's. She really does take very subtle, but they're there, these emotional steps in yeah. growth. Which is another reason why she felt like such a dynamic character, even though she wasn't intended to be. So all that's lacking, and we're gonna we're gonna do it eventually, but we haven't done it yet. Yeah. Mm. So they they get to be cute and sort of kitty together. Yeah. And they're emotional. Yeah. You're just gonna fuck it all up. Oh, you are. Yeah. Like, we're gonna break her down. We're yeah. gonna make her go through all that soul searching and emotional bullshit yeah. later. But you know, oh, I just am like, we're gonna make her go listen, through. It. Listeners, you can see the evil glint in uh-huh. Kyle's eye. Like you can seriously see it. It's, just, it's her turn. I did it to Clark and White Queen running, and I'm gonna do it to Alexa now in destruction. It's her turn. But it's a happy ending. It's a happy ending. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you have said that multiple yeah. times. So. Do you know yeah. um, how many chapters it's gonna be yet? You're not allowed to say. <laughs> uh, the face. Oh, look at that. No. No. The, the chapters keep sort of stretching themselves out longer and longer. Make it massive. No, it would be really Yeah, long. it probably will be. Yeah. yeah. It probably will be. I think it's, I think it's just, it feels like you're only just getting started. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yes. I don't even know. Like, I'm sort of hoping and praying that we're about halfway through. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> As I make a face again. I intended this chapter to be something like the chapter coming up, which is the 16th chapter. I thought we'd be here around around like chapter 9 or 10. Right. So I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are we 
when is this going to end? But it might not. You know what? I just might continue writing this story yeah. for like the next two to three years of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I will happily read it for as long as we'll you want to write it. Yeah. Definitely. No complaints. We will us. be here. I think you'll have plenty of people that are, yeah. they'll be happily reading along. Yeah. So. Relic crew yeah. growing old together. Exactly. Yeah. We're all in the same nursing home and I'll just come up with a chapter a week and pass it around. I was actually saying earlier that I want to open a Kalexa retirement home. <laughs> for, Relic, yes! for Relic crew. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> Because we'll be here to that. You're all invited. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Yeah. So. You guys are doing all this work and just being so awesome in general. <laughs> and uh, back to you. That could well. have to be your outro. Me, me telling you guys you're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else that's awesome, yeah. uh, by the way? Can you just say that again? Yeah, you can just say that again. You can see your flip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For being so awesome, lovely, sexy, and all around just fooling us over with their incredible wit and awesome. <laughs> Your money is in the post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, from We Gram Chose, yeah. we would like to say a huge thank you to yeah. you for coming on, taking time out of your Saturday to come and chat to us. You've been better than we could ever have dreamed. Yeah. It's been this so fun so to fun. chat to you. Yeah. Everyone's going to love you even more, Kay. Yeah. yeah, I know. Prepare for, like, extreme fanning, fangirling. <laughs> fanning, fanning, fanning. fanning. Oh, <laughs> extreme fanning. <laughs> you, thought, you thought you got, you, you thought you got weird asks before this? Like, just oh, yeah. you wait what's going to happen, like, uh, in, in, when this is released. Yeah. <laughs> oh, whatever, it's got, I've got two weeks, right? All right, I've got two weeks. Change my name. <laughs> part of the country yeah but yeah thanks. all right thank, thank you so you. much thank KL. You. thank you so much bye, bye. all the best yeah. you guys i can't wait to see you again bye, bye. bye.